0: what do you think? Some people can't handle it. It's peaceful. My sentiments, exactly. (laughs) So fill in the resume for me. Tell me uh, your family, your father, what does he do?
1: I never got to know my father. He passed away before I was born. My mother raised me, just the two of us.
0: She never remarried?
1: She wasn't married the first time. Well, that
0: can't be easy in a town like Gainesville, can
1: it? I don't think it's easy anywhere. Holy shit!
0: (laughs) Little different when you're looking down,
1: isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, my God! Your mother! What's she like? She's a preacher's daughter. She's tough. She's worked at the same poultry plant for as long as I can remember. She's got a church she really likes, so she's usually either there or they go out. They do a lot of volunteer work.
0: Behold, I send you out as sheep amidst the wolves.
1: So they say... I didn't rub off the book, the church? No, I'm on parole. Early release for time served. <laughs> a lot of potential clients down there. Are we negotiating? Can I ask you a question, then? Why do you need a criminal department? Our clients break the law like anyone else.
0: I'm just tired of sending their business across the street. You offering me a job? I'm thinking about it. I know you got talent. I, I knew that before you got here. It's just the other thing. I wonder about.
1: What thing is that?
0: Pressure. Changes everything, pressure. Some people, you squeeze them. They focus. Others fold. Can you summon your talent at will? Can you deliver on a
1: deadline? Can you sleep at night? When do we talk about money?
0: Money. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, that's the easy part.
2: all to try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your hosts, Eric Branstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy, coming to a
0: speaker near you right now.
2: You have been invited. Did we invite you? I don't know if we invited anybody, but uh, you are witnessing or hearing the Cinnamon Eye Podcast. Welcome in. It's Eric Bratcher, Travis Roy, and Michael Govier coming at you live on YouTube. If you want to jump in the live chat, we'll do your comments when we can. And, of course, give us a five-star rating if you use one of the podcast platforms that we prefer. Today's movie, The Big Focus, Does It Hold Up?, will be called... Well, it is called, for all times, The Devil's Advocate, and will always be known by that, probably, from 1997. And we're going to talk about that about half hour into the show. Does it hold up or not? We can't wait to dive into this one. It'll be some fun moments in this show. I feel very confident in that. Uh, but first, you know, we say hello, we greet, we connect, even though we just talked for like 10 minutes. So now we're pretending like we just got on the air and started talking to each other, Travis.
3: Oh, hey, Mike. Nice to see you.
4: Hey, dude, natural. how you been? Hey,
3: I'm well. How are you, Eric? How's it going?
4: Hey, fellas. It's been a while. <laughs> hey, nice to see your faces.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. This is so, this is funny. This is very funny. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, I feel much better, so it, I'm happy to be doing the show again and feel normal and not have, like... Even though I still have, like, a sound like this a little bit, but, man, like this you. thing was a... Hey, it's not like me. It's yeah. me, guys. You How, How, How am I not myself? How am I not myself? I got to tell you, whatever this thing was, uh, man, that thing was brutal. I have not been this sick in decades, like literal decades. So whoever did that to me, <laughs> not cool. Never not forget. Cool. It was somebody at, the, somebody at the feast. I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I'm putting Eric in the rearview mirror now from 2002. This is the new <laughs> like, the story look. I'm going to tell for the next 20 years. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Whoever got me this virus, not cool. But uh, no worse for the wear. Uh, Travis, what's the latest in your world? We got anything exciting to talk about, or is life boring? Uh, I
3: mean, I'm very excited about this weather. It's a dreary 55, very gray out. Yes. Uh, you know, the trees are like half barren. And I'm, I'm like, this is it. This is this is this is my time. Yes, yeah, this is wonderful. I'm very <laughs> happy about this. So uh, I've been in a good mood the last few days. Uh, a little warm. There was a couple warm days. I wasn't into that. But that is me talking about the weather.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, what was, what was Halloween like in your neighborhood last year? Was ho- Did you do Halloween in your neighborhood last year?
3: Oh, sure. I, I gave away so much candy that I eventually had to start giving away random shit around my house. So not like, <laughs> not like <laughs> possessions, but like other food, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I definitely have a stockpile of candy ready to go. I mean. My my hope this year is I've got more than enough so that I don't have to run out again and start giving away stuff. So, which is very soon. It's right around the corner.
2: Monday, Halloween on a Monday. Not my favorite day for Halloween, but it Worst does. Day. It's it spruces up on Monday, which can be you know dreary for some. <laughs> this so is true, it's kind of fun in a way. True, right?
3: I gave a, uh, a Halloween lecture in my history classes today, like a history of Halloween kind of thing. So Ooh. that was fun. Getting give of, us a who-
2: tidbit. Give us one tidbit, maybe we don't know.
3: Uh, well, the Jack-o'-lantern originated in Ireland well before the pumpkin made its way over that way. so it was originally in the turnip. So uh, there's like if you, you can find like even preserved old old turnips that were turned into jack-o-lanterns and they're significantly scarier looking than pumpkin jack. <laughs>
2: no shit wow that's cool see i didn't i didn't know that at all that's a that's a brand new tidbit for me uh before i get to eric here travis favorite halloween candy
3: dude i love candy corn i love candy corn
2: i love candy corn too
3: i know it's controversial for some ungodly reason i mean it's sugar who doesn't like sugar uh, but <laughs> it's well, still
2: sugar. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Mike's sugar mode is off obviously, but.
2: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, if you but, can see that, but yes, I love candy corn I love those pumpkins too. That mix they make. Those pumpkins are great as well. They taste just a, like the candy yeah, corn to me.
3: Mix that with some peanuts and you're in business, pal.
2: Peanuts.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the secret trick. Throw in some, throw all that in some peanuts and you're a happy man. Or at least I am.
2: Eric Brasham, Halloween this Monday. Uh, is the yard like totally Halloweened
4: out or what? It looks like Universal Orlando Studios haunted haunted mansion outside. <laughs> uh, in the damn misery, is it like two people came to my house last year? And like maybe like one before that? Like I live in like it fucking looks like Haddonfield. There's no kids. <laughs> There's no kids that come to my house. And I'm all fucking ready. I'm on the porch with like my boombox, like blasting like screams of, of pain and mercy. <laughs> And like with a mask on nobody's there. I'm just sitting on my porch eating my own goddamn candy.
2: Oh, man. That's awful. That's actually not what I was expecting at all. Wow. Sorry to hear that.
3: I think that anymore, like, kids go to, like, one specific neighborhood. There are kids in your neighborhood, but they're going to go, like, the next house, like, the next neighborhood over and, like, all the, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like I, when I talk to people, it seems like they're either, their neighborhoods are totally dead, like you just described, or their neighborhoods are just completely slammed and they can't keep up. That's what I hear from oh. whoever I talk to about Halloween. Make oh, it that the Halloween
2: hello. gossip crew. Yeah, the yeah Halloween well, gossipers.
3: <laughs> I talk Halloween with people. It's a thing I do. Hey,
2: talking <laughs> Halloween, folks. Uh, favorite go to Halloween candy, Eric Bransham.
4: Um Milky Way Midnight, uh, the fun size is my favorite. Least favorite, Charleston Chew. Remember, Charleston Ew! Chew Oh, tooth oh, pullers. So what those are. <laughs> Yeah. Those are
2: like <laughs> those uh, those Chico sticks or whatever. Remember those oh, like chickens? Dude. What the fuck those things were? Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. Biddle honey, also horrible. Oh, yeah. The Biddle Mary, honey. Ew. Mary Jane. Throw away immediately. God. For it's, this, oh. is why, this
3: is why dentists are in business. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that those awful orange wrapper candies that have yep. like no name on them. The orange, the orange and, black and black ones, and they taste like shit. Oh, they're
3: God. just like it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, but also I feel I like, like where are you going to get those now? Like, are there are there people in our generation in the year two thousand twenty two buying Making like the, those those, <laughs> those mass amounts of just weird wax candy? I don't know. People
2: are still poor, man. You might be surprised. I hey. feel like that's cheap. That's a cheap way to go. And if you want to participate at all,
3: sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. It's better than not participating. I would rather get that. Hey, than walk past a darkened house.
2: So <laughs> that's the slogan. Buy our candy. It's better than not participating. Halloween twenty twenty two. Yeah. For me, uh, you know. I love Take Fives. They're so good. And I can't find them in Canada. Amazing. So when I went to America, we had the Feast. I bought them that weekend because I found them. I can't find them here in Canada for some reason. So that's always going to be a hallmark. I do love candy corn. And uh, I'll throw in a payday. I love payday a lot. Oh, dude, yes.
3: Now you're talking my language.
2: (laughs) <laughs> we connect through candy. If you want to connect through candy, you can do that with us anytime by emailing the show. Candy cinnamon Chat. Cinnamon 9 Pod. Candy Chat. Cinnamon 9 pod at gmail.com. Uh, we got a couple emails, so I want to get to those oh, yeah. real quick. I didn't read this one last week. This is from Steve. It was a bit radical. I didn't know if... I'm just going to read it because <laughs> you sent us, us an email, and I want to make sure it gets read. So... I apologize for not reading it last week, Stephen. This is from Steve G, an old friend of all three of us who knows this for a long time.
4: Are we going to do this in uh, chapters?
2: Chapters? Yes.
3: It's a Settle manifesto. In. It's a manifesto. We'll do
2: a we'll do a candy break after every paragraph. It's more all of right.
3: a pamphlet than an email.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Common <laughs> Sense. You know, if you ever read Common Sense, it's very similar <laughs> to that. Uh, Stephen Guile says, "I'm pretty sure a certain host predilection comes from this, and that is." got a link to it but this which also has a link to it is how it sounds to me every time i hear it just a reductionist placeholding pop science comb over love it and the t diphthong diphthong and all the hair choices are so bizarre i can't believe jared diamond grew up in boston because he looks and sounds like a mennonite orphaned in some boar game preserve during world war ii holy shit that's that is like that's like some... Uh, Dennis Miller-level uh, level shit. Right I know! There. That's exactly what I thought of the first time I read this email. That's exactly what I thought of. So I don't it's know specific. if Steve will take that as a compliment or... Yeah, I it's would very be. detailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would. Dennis Miller until 2006. I love Dennis Miller. I did. I really did. I was a fan. And then he kind of lost me over the last 15 years. So. Back to book Back to book club. Uh, (laughs) Govier texted me that y'all reviewed Contact a while back. Here we go. Now we're talking movies. And I finally found the Cinema 9 RSS feed. My podcatcher is ancient, but it has all my feeds. I need the RSS, which I did send him the direct RSS link in case he didn't have it. And I can send that to anybody if you email the show, cinema9pod at gmail.com. And I listened tonight. You all and the twins, because we had twins on for our contact show, if you recall, which you guys can watch or listen to anytime, delivered pure justice. At the time, I texted Govier that if the subject was contact, he should have had me on. But now I realize that would have been a huge mistake because I'd have rocketed the cork from a bottle of tepid, overcarbonated, douche minutiae champagne fresh out of the paint mixture and absolutely soaked an otherwise stellar film discussion. Thank you, Steve. Very kind of you. Uh, He's a huge contact fan. I mean, I think I talked about it on the show, like. I only saw the movie through him because he always had it on you did. at his house right. when we were younger. And by they the way, the,
3: the twins were uh, the uh, Raiders of the Lost podcast, for the record. We yes! Give them a shout-out.
2: Shout-out achieved. Yes. They did a great, Absolutely. great job. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Hope you guys are out there doing well. Uh, anyway, well done. Love to send up for one of my faves, blah, blah, blah. The real issue is the glaring lack of a society drop on the soundboard. And during this era of extreme inequality, I implore you to distribute means of production to the masses. Like (laughs) Bansom and Viss should have family feud-style buzzers with interrupting circuits and different sound bites so we know who buzzed in first and the higher taboo tally wins a bread loaf voucher at the end of the season. And oh my God, I just realized Jared Diamond is the anti-Steve Harvey, and I don't know what to do with this epiphany except drink more and see what happens next. End of email.
3: Was, I mean... Could you tell that he was drinking until he mentioned that last little bit? Uh, (laughs) uh, We love you, Steve. We love you. Steve, Steve, thank thank you for emailing us. Yeah.
2: That was, I mean, that's Oscar Wilde-esque wordplay. Well done, my friend. Good stuff. Thank you, Stephen, for emailing the show. I think it's the first time he's actually emailed Cinema 9, I believe. It was.
3: It It was. was, Much appreciated.
2: Yay! All right, let's get to the next one. This one's from Brian, who's been on, actually, he was on the crossover episode a couple weeks ago when we did the trifecta uh, yep. at the feast yep and devil of blue dress and devil of blue dress. Do, that's it we do we do another one then oh, yeah, we,
3: we need to have him back on
2: oh i thought we had him on for another show but the audio was shit or was that the no. devil of the blue dress
3: yeah, that's all we've done those two with him
2: sorry brian my bad brian we'll says hello Cinnamon nine get up get down goblins hello Cinnamon nine team The Wailing is a film that sticks with you. When I first saw it years ago, I kept hearing about this Korean horror film, kept seeing five-star reviews and publications and sites I trusted, and finally tracked it down. Looking at the epic runtime, I was skeptical that such a long horror film would actually keep my interest for three hours. Mm. First 30 minutes, I remember thinking it wasn't for me, that I was probably going to dislike the rest of it, that it was a possession film that could have been done in under two hours and be better for it. Then the shift happens. Who is the old man really? Who is the woman in the woods really? Why is she the enemy? And the cleansing scene at the midpoint gave me a genuine sense of dread. I started thinking not all was as it seems on the surface of these characters. And though the final 20 proved me right, the way Hong Jin gets there haunts me still. I think those are the best words to describe this gem, creeping dread and haunting. I still think about the cave reveal at the end and the old man's taunting laughter. His laughing face will just pop into my head when I'm diving, <laughs> when I'm driving or in the shower. Oh, gosh. It's terrifying. Uh, it's, Jesus. Yeah, that is. It's a, way to live. <laughs> it's a true <laughs> horror classic that will stand the test of time, I believe. Great pick, guys. Brian. There you go.
3: Well, glad to appreciate. The, glad that you appreciated that episode and definitely we would need to have him back on.
4: Sorry that you Good can't sweet. enjoy a shower without thinking of a <laughs> demon cackling in a cave. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> poor bastard that's awful i will say uh we did the whaling and if you want to see that episode or listen to it it's available anytime and brian makes some interesting points about what these people really were but i think as we talked about in the episode travis it didn't really matter as much huh <laughs> did it matter i thought it, ma- it didn't really matter who the woman was and if the guy was the devil or the not right like did that really matter to the enjoyment of the film
3: I didn't come to that conclusion at all. I thought it absolutely mattered, and thought it was fairly obvious.
2: Well, shit. I guess uh, maybe I mistook for a different episode then.
3: Yes, we talked in depth about this only one week ago. <laughs> Did not come to any of those conclusions that you just laid out.
2: <laughs>
4: well, what about you, Eric? Do you agree with that?
3: You think I love it the
4: film. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't what, what do you mean? It's a, it's fiction. Like, does it matter? Like, what is, what is this question?
3: Yeah, and why are we talking about the whaling again? We're here to talk Devil's Advocate. We did that last
4: week. Well,
2: well, Brian emailed the show. We like to engage with our listeners. I think it's important, right?
3: Well, sure. I think he's. Do you not want to
2: engage with our listeners who take the time to email the show?
3: <gasps> wow. I want to be oh. engaged. I want to be engaged to Brian Madison. Marry me, Eric.
2: Wow, uh, <laughs> <Brian>. oh, <laughs> Eric, you can marry cat. me too, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Is this going to be like the time Eric married a pork sandwich? <laughs>
3: <laughs> who can forget official proceedings?
2: I'll
4: Null and void.
2: It's already right. I will oh it's it's been voided? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know the annulment
4: turned out it was uh Casey Masterpiece, and I was promised a sweet baby rays, and that was a <laughs> deal breaker. I put in the papers every day. Yep.
2: <laughs> that, this is totally true, by the way, people. This is hundred percent a true story. Yeah, there was a there was a ceremony <laughs> even, and everything. <laughs> even the barbecue <laughs> sauce bit, it's all true. That was a good time. Uh Matt's here. Hey Matt. Starburst all day. Uh Starburst. Come on, yeah, that's that's sure.
4: Yeah, the pink okay. Starburst. Yeah. I like and,
2: Starburst, uh, but it's not a Halloween kind of candy because it's too bright and happy. It's a, it's I a agree with Mr. that. Candy. That makes sense out. to me for some reason. Yeah, Canada <laughs> has fuzzy peaches, so you automatically win. Thank you, uh, Mystery 3 Nut. Is I'm okay. saying?
3: that right. Mystery 3 Nut? MSC 3K Nut. Welcome back. Shit! Good to have you again.
2: Yeah. MS-
3: they're, yeah, they're MSC 3K fan.
2: You said it better than I did. Uh, Arthur tornabin says this is an all-time classic in caps. Hi, Art. Good to see you, brother. I miss you. Hope you're doing well. All right. It's now time to get a quarantine viewing picks. so we turn it over to Travis Roy, who's going to tell us what he's watched recently and if it's worth your time.
3: I got to start things off by correcting a statement I made last week. I, I watched so many Halloween or horror movies last year that I completely had forgotten that I had seen Black Christmas. I just deleted it from my memory for some reason. So it's very important to me that I tell you, Eric, I have seen that movie. That's,
4: I think I can stop Very there. happy. Yeah, <laughs> awesome film. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Um, Hope you didn't I, I, have any I, sleepless I, nights because uh, <laughs> I'm non nonplussed here.
3: I don't know why it's a, the top note to myself. Tell Eric you've seen Black Christmas. It was very important <laughs> okay. to me when I wrote cool. it down originally. Apparently, Which film. It's, it's not in all caps, but uh, yeah. I checked out Grave Encounters. Your your suggestion. Yeah. yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Fun. Uh, a, a small spoiler critique. I think that I mean it's got this great ending. And then there's another one, and one more after that. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is going? Why does it keep going? Because oh. if it had just ended where it kind of suggests that it's going to end, I think it. would I honestly think it would be one of the best all time yeah. horror movies.
0: Cool, man. And, and then and then it
3: kind of gives shows too much of its hand for me. But awesome overall. Definitely check mm-hmm. out Grave Encounters if you like horror movies. It was good. Uh, I finally checked out The Keep. Michael Michael Mann's The Keep.
4: Oh, <laughs> have you guys seen this? No, <laughs> it's ridiculous, bonkers
3: bonkers is the word it's so it's so of 1983 it so shit. feels like oh god like it just so feels like that weird as shit era like it was just like for movies like just so much so much weird stuff going on. what was that matthew broderick movie where he like uh people were turning like wrecker howard turned into a hawk and all that it definitely yeah yeah, me, yeah, yeah 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 very much give me no it's, i'm blanking. No, no,
4: blanking it sort of, of it
3: just kind of like gave me like those weird kind of like that vibe and like legend vibe sort of like it just had like oh. this weird this weird vibe to it very 83 mm-hmm. uh i liked it but okay but man it was bonkers and it went on for a minute <laughs> yeah. i i had really lady hawk vibes for some reason it might, to me um I had really enjoyed last year when I, when I was pleasantly surprised to check out Psycho two. So I thought, why not check out psycho three from 1986? And you know what? Obviously psycho two is not as good as psycho one and psycho three is not as good as psycho two, but all three of these movies are really good. And I think it's gotta be one of the most underrated sequels. Uh, I mean, two and three have gotta be in like one of the most underrated franchises I can think of, especially, especially in the horror community. I mean, Anthony Perkins is a good director and a good actor, and I really
4: enjoyed those both those movies. Yeah, mm. yeah. Psycho 2, Huge call filing for part two, but part three, excellent slasher. Yeah, it
3: was totally good. I mean, it, it was a natural conclusion to the uh, to the franchise. I thought it was. Really I love good.
2: natural conclusions. That's important to me.
3: It was good. I checked out season <laughs> one of Shining Vale. Um, Shining. You know, it's got Greg Kinnear. It's got Mira Sorvino, who I love. And the main main actor is. uh Oh, fuck. What's her name? Monica. I'm blanking on Monica's name. Belucci?
4: C- Courtney Cox.
3: Yeah. Courtney Cox. Thank oh, okay. I couldn't. Name. Co- Monica. Yeah. yeah, you knew who I meant. <laughs> uh, so she's the main star. And so I watched it for the three of them. And man, just like such well-trodden territory. I'm like, why, why did you do mm. this? It's a it's a it's a whole season of I'm like I, I watched the whole thing so I guess it couldn't have been terrible. I I have to say the best thing I watched this week I revisited for the third or fourth time now the Batman uh, I cannot get Damn. enough of this movie I I've not made my top films of 2022 but man uh, every time I watch it I love it a little bit more so
2: um, not feel I watch that. it. I watched it two more times, and I've actually liked it a little bit less. I'm not, not that I, I'm not disliking it; I just it hasn't had the intensity effect that increases with certain movies that I watch again and again. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not against it. I, I, I'm just. I don't know. There's something about it that uh, lost a little bit of its luster on the rewatchability for me, and I don't really have a good answer beyond that. I don't.
3: Okay. Well, you know, you're allowed to feel your feelings. Yeah will permit thank that. Thank you. Thank you. That's so that's kind of uh, you. that's my that's my viewing picks right there. That's what I watch.
2: I'm surprised you didn't do the He's the Batman. That's, you got to do that every time we talk about that. That's your thing.
3: I was really hoping that you would, and then you played right into my hand. So thank you. Uh, for that. you hey, you got me. I may not love the movie
2: as much as I did the first time I saw it in the theater, but that well, will I, always stick with me.
3: I'm not sure I do either, but I feel like every time I watch it, I do get something a little different. Like last time I watched it, I was really focused on um, the Riddler. And this time when I watched it, I was really focused on the relationship between Cat Catwoman and Batman. I really think that that is the best on-screen romance between those two characters. I really do. I think it's played so beautifully. Um, so I, I kind of feel... and It's also a movie that... I mean, it's three fucking hours long. I can play a game on my phone or I can be utterly absorbed in it. And I kind of do both those things. You know, kind of like go in and out with that one. And that's... I, I like that about that, actually. So... um I'm going to keep on watching the Batman over and over again. That's my, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs>
1: He'll keep watching the, keep Batman, the Batman
3: over and what? It's been over a, again.
2: It's been a few months for me, so I, I'll go back and check it out soon. I'll give you an
4: update. Uh, Eric Branstrom, did you watch the Batman this week? No. I was um, quarantined in my basement. I was, I was sick. It was my fall break from school, and I spent my oh. entire fall break in, uh, trapped in the basement, unable to leave for fear of getting my whole entire family sick. You got that oh, feast sickness. I'm there.
3: telling you, man. It's been a it's been yeah. weeks since the feast. You can't blame the feast. I know. That's me. what's no.
4: crazy about
2: it. It's been spread all over the place. I'm just saying. And <laughs> yeah. I, I feel bad for you. And I hope you're feeling better, my friend.
3: Were you just sick? That sucks, man. I, yeah. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And it took out my entire fall break. Uh, it. What? <sighs> but. but I watched a hell of a lot of goddamn movies. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, too many. I won't go through them all, but I'll hit you with a few. Um, <laughs> Studio 666. I hit play on the Foo Fighters horror comedy. I don't know what comp- came over me, but I saw Dave Grohl's face like looking scared on like, the thumbnail. I'm like, fuck it. Like, How bad can it be? I was laughing my ass off. It's funny. it's funny yeah it's funny we like a solid first like 40 minutes and then it's like all right guys all right all right guys all right uh but yeah i recommend it i think it's i think it's gonna end up getting a small following because it is it's it's a lot of fun like will forte pops in there and like uh whitney cummings really funny uh i dug the movie what can i tell you um the Changeling, nineteen eighty. I had to Love go it. back on Tubi, dude. I saw George yeah. C. Scott, and I'm like, I'm there, I'm there right now. Clear my schedule, or, or, or more, <laughs> you know, more precisely, like <laughs> let's have this pillow be here instead of over there. Um, amazing. One of the one of the best ghost stories like of the twentieth century. Just so atmospheric, so so character driven. Love it. It's so good, man. It's like it's quiet. Yeah, and not much happens, but like it's just it's just so awesome. Love the you, changeling. You'd seen it before, right? Yeah, it's been oh, it's been a hell of a long time. Uh um, I feel like every time was, I watch
3: it, I get more and more angry with George C. Scott's character. I'm like,
4: figure it out. What are you doing? It's so obvious.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> get on this shit. Figure George. it out. Figure it out. <laughs> I less patience. Yeah, every time it's I watch pretty it. obvious. It's pretty obvious. It's great um, though. I do fuck. love the movie. Amazing. Um. Dude, <laughs> I, I was I was I had enough of horror for a little bit, and I needed a break. So I finally saw uh, Parenthood. I've never seen Parenthood from yeah! nineteen eighty nine. Finally, I hit play. Finally, yeah. I finally saw it. And man, i I have I have kind of a lot of thoughts on this movie. Like, on one hand, it's like it's Boomers the movie. Like that's all it is—is is boomers the movie? Like yeah. boomers, like telling lame jokes that like only boomers would laugh at, and like all this emotional schmaltz and like poor shit. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like coughing and like making fun of it, being like, "This is a classic." Fuck this movie. Then it then it starts to get me, and then I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. It got me. It got me. Jason Robards got me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was it. I ended up really enjoying the movie. It's so audacious like this. Who wrote this? Like it's so uh, potent with like so many characters, uh, so many stories through all these characters and they all work. But uh, yeah, it's like it's like really turning up the manipulation uh, lever up to up to 11. But sure, I dug the but- movie, man. I liked it. I'm so glad you watched it. I, I was going to bring it to the table real soon, actually. Real? So I guess I blew, I
2: blew it. It's all right. I'm, I'm glad you finally saw it because for those of you that don't know, going back to the very beginning of this show, this is something I brought up a few times that neither of these guys had seen Parenthood or I had, they had you thought, or no, you had, had or you couldn't give a fuck about it, right? I, that was
3: I, I, I watched it when I was a kid and I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I, I rewatched it since we started the podcast. Oh, oh you did? Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. Any better? Well, maybe I should just keep that under my hat.
2: Oh, Sounds oh, like it might a, come on the show
3: at some point, huh? Eh?
2: Secrets. At any rate, I'm glad Eric brought up that one key point. There is a ton of storylines going on, yet it all flows seamlessly. So that's yeah. a really hard thing to do a lot of yeah. times, and I'll give
4: the movie credit for that. I'm glad you watched it, Eric. That's wonderful yeah, news. definitely will, man. Great gift, Dad. Um, great gift, Dad. Then, <laughs> then I made a huge mistake. I started fucking on my phone. I'm like... I uh, started thinking about the Beatles, and I'm like, oh fuck. Oh. oh, god damn it. I'm not going to do it. And I did it. Had to do I watched it. it again. I watched Get <laughs> Back again. That's and it awesome. knocked like five hours out of one of my one of my four sick days. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. That know. was that. I had a great time rewatching re-watching it for the third time. Oh, a uh, third amazing. time? No shit. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, yeah, amazing. Man. Wow. Amazing. Um yeah, let me wrap this up. None of this bullshit. Uh, I, I watched a movie from 1975 that I've heard about my entire life, but I never had any desire to see until I hit play. <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Have you ever seen this fucking movie? Yeah, of course.
2: No, what I've never this? actually watched it. I always hear about it, but I and I basically feel like I've seen it, but I've never actually sat down and watched it.
4: How, why do you, uh, How is this a movie? Like, what is this?
2: what was that <laughs> you had to be there
3: yeah i mean it was a i mean it, it's a stage show that they put on film right yeah, yeah very participatory so if you're not watching it live in a theater with a bunch of fans i don't oh. know that it really is going to work as a
4: movie huge in drama oh.
2: groups when i was in drama in high school like it, i assume every other like drama group in the country in high school it's just like rite of passage everybody yeah. talks about it and it's just something that's like a prerequisite if you're going to be into drama really? at all yeah.
3: yeah i mean there really. was a, a party or two i went to that you know like a friend took me to and it's like oh i guess i guess people here are dressed up like these characters and watching this and shouting <laughs> at their tv I'm, like, I'm just like in a house i'm not at a movie theater this is someone's house like a house party i'm like oh okay i guess this is what we're doing and I passionate. watched the movie. Yeah, it happened They're so passionate
2: count. about it. They're like they're diehards with that movie. The people who love yeah. Oh, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show, they're they're obsessed about it. It's I like a lifestyle
3: with a lot of goth folk. The goth folk are into it. It
4: turns mm. out, at least
3: in the 90s, they were.
4: Yeah, yep. I, I liked it. Like, I actually really like like the first like 35, 40 minutes. And then like it just is people fucking around like nonsense. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I like the music, Richard O'Brien songs. I liked all the songs. And like Tim Curry was making me laugh my ass off. I, I was always like, what, what is this? It's too perverse for me. I can't get into this. Too weird. <laughs> but I was laughing my ass off. Anytime he said anything, I laughed out loud. So yeah, I, I did like it. I, I don't know. kind of want to see it again. It's, it's bizarre. It's funny I prefer Phantom of the Paradise, but uh, I dug it. That's it from me, man. I'm finally feeling great. I'm out of the basement and I'm ready to talk film. Yeah, that's what I just said. Phantom of the Paradise is amazing. Well, they, yeah, two years coming. before, and it's uh, twice as good, in my opinion.
2: Ooh, okay. Well, Eric, I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad I'm feeling better, and Travis, I'm glad you're feeling well right now. And you have keep it me. rolling. Let's keep it rolling. The good times roll. Let the good times roll. As I've watched like you, Eric. It's just been. You know, a nurse's convention here, a a, a, a quarantine zone. Uh, we canceled mm-hmm. the housekeeper who comes once a month. Say, don't come in here. You don't want to pay your money. Please go away. Uh, by the way, I don't pay a housekeeper. I'm not that I don't have that kind of money. It's paid for by the people who actually own the house. So good. I just want people to know as far as reputation being secure, I don't have a housekeeper. So. Want that to be clear. Yeah,
3: we're gonna get because that's Luke talking
2: about class here very soon. So. <laughs> Luke, where are you? Luke, jump on Me the live chat right now. Let's get it going. Come on, man. <laughs> Top five favorite moments in the United States history related to class warfare. Go, Luke. Um, <laughs> hey Market Square. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Haymarket Hey Market Square. Uh, so yeah, we've just I've been uh, showing Leanne endless movies. There's no doubt. Me and Leanne have never watched this many movies wow. together. Like we've okay. we've blown away any record. Like we rarely ever do. It's something I don't know. We just like she doesn't not like movies. She's not like a movie nerd and but she's happy to watch some. That's the best part about Leanne is that as a girlfriend, she's just down to watch anything except horror. That's what I to say horror. even horror. Yeah. That's no, the yeah, best thing about her? Yeah, I I had to I pushed her <laughs> It's one of, the yeah, deal that's it. That's the number one thing in the world about my girlfriend or anything else. Forget that's trust, forget, like, uh, security and love and, you know, understanding and empathy and compassion. Fuck all that shit. But uh, I had a hard time. I didn't think I'd get the devil's advocate pastor. you know, but she watched it because it's not a horror movie, but there's some scary parts of it. So, anywho, I showed her a bunch of films, and I'll just mention quickly things like uh, Cedar Rapids from 2011, which oh. is a lot of fun, with Ed Helms and... Good old John C. Riley and uh, the dearly departed Anne Hesh passed away this mm. year. Sadly, mm. she, she's a fun time. Cedar Rapids is a classic, like indie borderline mobile um, core movie in a way. It mm. doesn't have the Duplass brothers in it, but it could, feels like they it, it could have done it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's is nothing sexy about it, but it's just an enjoyable comedy. It's a lot of laughs, mm. especially with John C. Riley, who's unhinged in this one. He's really funny in it. Um huh. and then uh I had to show Leanne life is a house Travis so I got <laughs> him to do that oh. so so
3: you had a good cry
2: Uh yeah yeah definitely that yeah. was a that was going to be a, a no brainer for sure how-
3: I'm like sometimes I mean, I've thought about bringing it on the show a few times but I'm like Me too I I, I don't know it's just I want to cry through an entire episode either <laughs> Father's, Day <pick. laughs> yeah, right,
4: Father's
2: Day pick
3: Yeah right be a good Father's
2: <laughs> Day pick Yeah uh, you know you know Hayden Christensen has been shit on. Everybody knows the story with him in Star Wars and playing Darth Vader and who will become Darth Vader, as Anakin Skywalker. But uh, he does a real good job in that movie, and I want him to get the credit he deserves. In Life as a House, Hayden Christensen is the most. He's more annoying than fucking the kid in Sopranos than AJ. He's actually more annoying than AJ. <laughs> that's hard to do. So that's good acting, in my opinion.
3: And Kevin Klein is just incredible.
2: Oh, Suburb. oh. Yeah, it's probably, I think it's a performance of his career. I, I know I, he won an Academy yeah, Award for a fish agree. called Wanda. Oh wow! Okay. Well, that we. Well, he glad won a, we were he won a s-
3: SAG for that. He won a SAG for. Oh, he uh, did. Yeah. Good for
2: him. Yeah. That's, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we watched uh, Up in the Air. You know, 2009 <laughs> film. And uh, man, <laughs> as Netflix. time goes by, yeah, it's as time goes on, Eric. That movie is a piece of history. We I've talked about this before. We talk about how films are a window into the moment. And that movie, I'm so glad that movie was made because as we move further away from the economic crisis of 0809, that movie is a time capsule of how hardcore that shit was it didn't it doesn't even maybe do it even enough justice but it does it a fair amount of justice to remind people of how much people lost their jobs and their pensions and all that shit it's a that's the excellent thing cuz
4: cuz it was made in 09 i almost kind of think if they would have sat on that script and and brought it out maybe a little later so that we could look back on that time instead of being so close to it while while watching that film it could have made a bigger dent it never gets old for me i could watch it every day but uh Kind of just slumped in and out of those theaters. I I saw it in the theater. I remember that. I feel the opposite. I'm glad they
2: did it when they did it. You might be right really? about that. I mean, the, the Big Short was in 2015, and they had some more time and hindsight, and that mm-hmm. was a great movie too. But both of those movies, tackling somewhat of a specific subject, there are done in different ways, and I like both of those. So I think either way, you, it's a win-win. And then I, I watched. I showed her Downsizing, which is uh, Alexander Payne is one of my favorite directors. Watch that again. Yeah, man, I,
4: <laughs> you love you downsizing.
2: <laughs> I wanted to show her downsizing. It's the kind of movie I like to show people because I think its message is fascinating in our current climate, if you will. Are you sure so,
3: it's uh, not
2: too subtle? The message in that movie? No. Uh, <laughs> well, oh my god. Speaking of not too subtle, there's so many things we're going to talk about momentarily in Devil's Advocate that are oh, not just. too subtle. And that's boy. a great. That's a great teaser, Travis. Well said. And we, yeah. uh, let's see, uh, I showed her, we watched uh, Saving Mr. Banks. I thought she might find that interesting. But I, I didn't really pay attention because I fucking hate how that movie split into two. It's so dumb. It's like two movies simultaneously. It bothers me, but I wanted her to see it. So.
4: Uh, I love that the parts.
2: over Saving Mr. Banks?
4: It's not worth I'm it. T-
2: I love the parts with Emma Thompson in it. And, you know, Tom Hanks as Walt Disney and the Sherman Brothers with, uh, you know, BJ Novak. And so you just Jason. don't like the childhood stuff. I, yeah, Colin so, Farrell is... Colin I hate that whole... All the sequences with her past it just always turns me off with of that flick. I'd rather just see what's going on in the uh, opportunity that was created between these people trying to make Mary Poppins a movie for Disney. Anyway, it's not a big mm. deal. Uh, I showed Leanne Ladybird. She never saw that. That was a great revisit. It's a really well-done film, and you know, Saoirse Ronan is just so damn good that she was... Because you know the movies written and directed by Greta Gerwig of uh, you know Francis Ha and Greenberg and other films related to No Bombak. and it's such great casting. Like I feel like Sorsha is Greta, a younger Greta Gerwig. I really get that vibe based on what I've seen from Greta Gerwig. So I, I just really got that vibe watching it this time around. And Lori Metcalf is always an underrated actress too. She was she was so good in that movie. Strongly recommend Lady Bird if you missed it in 2017. I'm giving it two thumbs up. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I watched Slammin' Salmon just to have a laugh. I know Aaron loves <laughs> the Slammin' Salmon. I'm always going to be a sucker for broken lizard comedies. Yeah. I always will. I I, I felt like there was a part of me that feels like we could have been broken lizard if we really tried, like me and our friends. But I don't know why I feel that way. It's probably just ego and complete bullshit and... Ridiculous thoughts that flow through my mind, but well, also reason, in,
3: yeah. in our early twenties, you and I talked about starting a Scott's comedy group. So it's not like it's completely off the radar. Like we did, exactly, we did, we did talk about doing it. It did not we, happen, but we we talked about moving to Oregon and out. everything. Yeah. yeah, we thought that would be no, the hot Eugene place talk. to do comedy. I don't know why Get that would have made
2: sense. That would have made sense, though. I mean, Portland blew up over the last twenty years. It would have made sense in a way. I, I don't know. It's not crazy. Not crazy. So there you go. That's some Thanks stuff I watched. Still, still terrible. Oh, yeah. I'll watch Club Dread, but it's st- it still sucks. It's the worst of all of them by far. I completely agree with that. I'm not including that. Puddle Cruiser, by the way. That doesn't count.
4: So. No, no,
2: that one doesn't count. It does not count. Oh, all right. Well, oh. hey, there you go. There's our quarantine viewing picks. We do it every week. We share what we watch, and I'll recommend some things that you should watch or avoid. We do both ways. Now it's time to get into our main event. This bout is scheduled for one fall, it is time to dissect and analyze and find out if it holds up or not. 1997's The... Devil's Advocate, starring Al Pacino, Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron. You got a who's who in this movie. Connie Nielsen makes her big splash in Jeffrey Hollywood Jones. in this movie.
4: Jeff- Jeffrey Jeffrey <laughs> Jones. You can't forget Eddie Barzun.
2: That is so. All those other names. Jeffrey Jones, right there with them. That's Don't hilarious. Don't forget him. Yeah. Is there anything less realistic than Jeffrey Jones jogging? I'm not buying that at all. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't. I think even in the movie, they're like he was running. That doesn't sound like him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They do mention that. That's true. Vanity is definitely my favorite sin, Kevin. It's so basic. Self-love, the all-natural opiate. You know, it's not that you didn't care for Marianne, Kevin. It's just that you were a little bit more involved someone else yourself
1: you're right I did it all I let her go
0: ah don't be too hard on yourself Kevin you wanted something more believe me
4: I left her behind and just kept going
0: you cannot keep punishing yourself Kevin it's awesome how far you've come I didn't make it easy couldn't not for you or your sister but well, half sister to be exact surprise some scene huh Kevin don't let him scare you huh? Kevin I've had so many children. I've had so many disappointments, mistake after mistake, and then there's you.
2: Yeah, this is a classic, at least, Travis, this is a classic for our friends, right? We watch this all the time. Sure. I don't know
3: that it's just a classic for our friends. I think it's kind of become something of a classic. I mean, when we started this podcast, this is one of those movies that I always knew we would get to because I couldn't imagine talking about movies that were beloved at one point and kind of set down that yeah. need to be picked up and looked at again. Like, like yes. this is definitely one of the ones that has always been on my mind. And so that's partly why I never chose it, because I knew it was going to happen eventually.
2: Uh, one thing I want to clarify, I feel like it's not as remembered because we watched this movie in so many other f- ways and methods, but I feel like this was in the rotation of the dump with those dump movies we talk about, like Ravenous and Rounders. Like, it was a VHS <laughs> copy of it there. It just sure. wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't as a,
3: a rotation, but
2: yeah, yeah, but I feel like it was there. I do feel like it was there. Anyways, uh, we had somebody mentioned earlier that Art said, I had the devil's advocate on VHS and I watch it over and over
4: after school <laughs> and high school. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's probably <laughs> true of a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, but- <laughs> when we played selection over at Jimmy's. It was either this or Unforgiven that would win every single time. <laughs> or Glenn
3: Gary. That won a lot as yeah. well. Yeah, That's yeah.
2: funny. That's really funny. Also, uh, Patty's here. Pat says, "Travis, I like the Ted Cloverfield Lane episode. Good stuff."
3: Oh, thanks, Bye. Patrick. I Patrick's don't know why it's, why Clover got. That's yeah, weird. Is that yeah. a... did he do that on purpose? I can't imagine is... he did it. It got for those not watching, like a, the word "clover" got starred out, which I assume was Clover not Patrick canceled? doing that. But hope uh, you be doing yeah. good, dude.
2: Yeah, I know Patrick, and that uh, he would not be shy to sp- yeah, express I himself. That's,
3: so, I wonder if it's like a trademark. I don't know. That's weird. Sorry. Let's move on YouTube's on watching us JJ yeah. Abrams anyway
2: travis do you remember focus. the do you remember the first time that you watched the devil's advocate travis big bad
3: robot um yeah i actually for <laughs> once do remember the first time i saw this i i really wish i could remember who i saw this in theaters with i feel like it was friend of the show steve laskowski but this came out before he and i were hanging out regularly so i don't think it was him but i remember not so much the movie as much maybe may been guile steve guile who wrote us that email earlier but i i don't remember so much the watching the movie as i remember the car ride home from it just immediately diving into it's like one of those classic things like what does this mean what did that mean did that really happen what was this and just like dissecting the movie on the ride home and and really being like this is going to be one of those movies that people talk about forever (laughs) and i remember saying that like after i first watched it and then when it came out yes i too bought that same red vhs that everyone Mm -hmm. had with, with the images behind mike right now with a stern-looking Pacino standing paternally behind a clean-cut Keanu. Uh, And, you know, it's uh, got regular rotation for a long time and then just suddenly dropped off from my life utterly for, like, 20 years.
2: (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Eric, what about you? Remember your first viewing of The Devil's
4: Advocate? Vividly, man. Uh, I'll never forget my first viewing of this because I – like, it's one of the first times I've ever been scared in a theater. Like, I'm, I was probably, like, 17. And I legit, legitimately remember being, like, scared in the theater. And then when we left, I can't for the life of me remember who I saw it with either. But, like, there was no talk. I was just creeped out, and there was no talk. I was like, guys, I'm going home. I, I like I need to, like, dip into Genesis here. Like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> it had a big impact on me. Saw it countless times after that. Until about, you know, 2003 when I put it away and been there ever since. There you go. It's a classic, doesn't what? hold up uh, <laughs> selection here. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Is this the best movie with the word devil in it?
3: Uh, it's better than The Devil's Own.
2: Oh, <laughs> I, I just wanted someone to say <laughs> oh, The Devil's bad. Own. Yeah, because that's exact. <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada is pretty oh, good. Oh, that's yeah, a really I like good movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by uh, the way, I saw this the devil. was written by uh, I Saw the Devil. Didn't you guys talk about some other devil movie recently related to uh, war? Here I'm comes sure a bunch devil. of devil movies. Here comes the Devil's, devil's really candy, fantastic. Um,
3: devil's yeah. candy. Yeah. Devil's candy was really fantastic. Good. That's, a good, that's, a, that's a really good movie. Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of good movies with devil <laughs> in the title. I never Go saw devils. devil's Backbone, but I hear good things.
4: Mm. So,
2: I guess there's a lot Ooh. of devil's movies with devils in the movie Airborne. Yeah. Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, I was waiting for somebody to say that one. Oh, that shit. was the main yeah. one I wanted to get to. So. Devil in yes. right. Devil in <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So I definitely saw this. I, Travis, I'm not projecting here. I really feel like I saw this movie at your house on VHS for the first time. It was yeah, either your house thing. or Steve Giles' house. I can't remember. It was one of those two houses for sure. I
3: a lot of movies at my house, yeah. and this is a movie that was on regular rotation at my house. So that's <laughs> entirely possible.
2: Yep. I never saw it in the theater, so when it came out of VHS, I saw it at someone's house. And uh, I remember this movie, we had a lot of laughs about this movie. First off, we were 17, 18 years old. We're already dipshits. We're immature. And (laughs) this movie is rife to be made fun of. And we'll talk more about the comedic elements that maybe are unintended in this film. But I just remember that so much. This movie was like, for our crew of friends, our posse, it was... The central focus for a good year or so. It really was. Oh, yeah. Huge hog beast. Yeah. Yeah. Hog beast. I'm sorry. It's a huge hog beast. Uh, oh, what is the rating at IMDb, guys? I'm going to guess on this one. If you didn't look,
3: I'm going to say the high sixes. I'll say 6.8.
2: Ooh.
4: Yeah, I know I it. I think it a i I'm in disbelief, and I already oh, know it. Mike. okay, Please let me guess. Them.
2: Well, I think it's in the sevens. That was my initial gut instinct.
4: So I'll say it's a 7.3. <laughs> Somehow it's a 7.5. So it's, it's up there. Oh. Eric's tilting his hand
3: towards us here. A bit.
2: A bit. <laughs> All right. Oh, bit. It's got Al Pacino in his prime. This is prime Al Pacino. Yeah. He,
3: had, he really oh. had to be arm wrestled into doing this movie. Apparently he thought it was uh kind of too obvious for him to be doing it. Keanu took a big pay cut so that Pacino oh. would do it. And uh, it, took, no shit. It, it took cajoling. It took years of, of, of trying to talk him into this. And then it looks like he has a time of his life doing it. So go figure.
2: Wow. Oh, yeah, that is really huge, interesting.
3: Not a huge stretch for Pacino, Pacino though, right? Like
2: <laughs> He seems like the kind of guy who would just do anything, though. I, I don't see. He, seems, he loves to act, it seems like. So I don't see him being very discerning with his choices. But that's an interesting tidbit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Also, Keanu had done speed and. You know, he'd become the king of the world by this point, so he could do whatever he wanted. Maybe that helped, too. At any mm. rate, Rotten Tomatoes-wise, we've got 63 from the critics. Ouch. Mm. That's harsh. Mm. 79 right. from the fans, though. So big discrepancy on the fan side, 79 to 63. Critics are not as kind, so I guess we're going to read a few uh, green splats here from the critics, and we'll go back in time. Uh, Ann Horderday, I'd love to read Ann when I can. You do. Of the Baltimore Sun. I do. I love Ann Hordard. She's love a lovely woman. I love listening to her movie critiques. She says that Pacino's gleeful performance, notwithstanding, the devil's advocate descends into silly self-indulgence when it should have gone straight to hell. hey <laughs> Wow, yeah. Ann. Wow. Yeah, straight yeah. to hell. Nice reference. <laughs> uh, let's clever. see. Almost as clever yeah. as naming <laughs> your
3: main character, John Milton.
2: <laughs> almost I know almost I know I can't get over that every time they say Milton I'm like oh my god it's oh so on. blatant talk about not being <sighs> able to be less subtle Jesus
3: not even like Larry Milton but or, but, <laughs> but John Milton like,
4: I come think on, the original Milton. name was like Nick scratch and they're like no we can't do that it's gonna be too obvious We am to name him old old scratch How about old better. scratch <laughs>
2: Uh, Travis, for anybody who might not be aware, because not everybody knows, why is John Milton such an obvious name?
3: Oh, because John Milton gave us our impression of the devil. If you read the Bible, there's really few references, actually, to Satan. And in a lot of ways, Satan, it's unclear even exactly what role he plays. but But the way that we think of Satan is largely drawn from Paradise Lost.
2: Yep, there it is. I just had a flashback to Mrs. Cooley's room right now, 10th grade. Oh, yeah. doing. We had to mm-hmm. dive into Paradise Lost and Milton. And we had to do a video about it. We did a Johnny Carson uh, reimagining video with me, Jeff Campbell, wow. Coomer, and Guile, our friend Steve, who had long wow. hair back then. I wish that video existed somewhere. I would love to see that. It was so funny and stupid. It had nothing to do with Paradise Lost. How did we make a TV show about Paradise Lost? I have no idea.
3: That is not an easy read. (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) I can't imagine trying to make high schoolers read this shit. I, I mean, like,
4: its I tried reading it in my 20s. and went, well, this is fucking hard. I'm, I'm, just, I'm confused. Let me back this up. Maybe I, I daydream there for a second. Your 10th grade teacher made you read Paradise Lost and then perform a, a Johnny Carson parody on
2: it? <laughs> I'm guessing
4: that was your fault. Well, you had- <laughs>
2: You had the option to like write an essay, or it put us in groups, and you had to like you could perform something, or you know, they gave you like three choices. So, right. we went with the performance. Like, why would we want to write? You know, but <laughs> I'm dying to know what it looked like. What were we saying? Like, you're supposed to talk about the key elements of Paradise Lost. So, we're like, well, you know, that Paradise Lost is weird, wild stuff, huh, Ed? <laughs> and Ed, Ed was played by Coomber, and he'd just be like, he'd go, cock. <laughs> he yelled cock on tape. I was Somehow say, that I'm got.
4: Sure, somebody yelled cock and balls.
2: Yep. somehow we got through. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Yes, sir. I will say, Coomer, not known for his acting, he did an excellent Ed McMahon. Although some may say Ed McMahon's did, an easy guy who to. Uh, who did Doc mimic.
4: Severinsen? was that uh, the guy? Oh, that was
2: Guile. Uh, yeah, that was oh, Steve. Okay. Yeah. He had like uh, some bright colored shit on with his long hair. God, it was. Uh, I would love to get that video. If somebody ever finds that VHS somewhere, please email me. Uh, Roger Ebert, good old Ebes, Ebes. back in the day said that the movie never fully engaged me. My mind raced ahead of the plot, and the John Grisham stuff clashed with the exorcist stuff.
3: Huh. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of, I can like, getting ahead of the plot. I can definitely
2: agree with that. Too much of a procedural law drama for him, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Is this a combination law drama and uh, religious epic? I don't know. Uh, Like you do. I don't see... Yeah, I don't see any Destin Thompson, no goody-coons. I'll give you one more. This is uh, Mike Clark from the USA Today. As the movie approaches two and a quarter hours, it begins feeling like eternal damnation. Hey!
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our second lengthy horror film in two episodes. And this is two and a half hours. when I started, I was like, how did I completely forget this part? I used to watch this all the <laughs> time as a kid, and it was a two and a half hour movie, and I never noticed until last night. Yeah,
2: I was expecting Marianne to die a lot sooner. She still. By the time she died, we're almost two hours in. I'm like, oh, shit. This is a lot longer than I remember it being. Yeah, it's a long movie. Although, but I want to mention something. To me, this is the best part of the movie. Is the judge says, for God's sakes, man. And that is the <laughs> best line ever. We don't say that enough. For God's <laughs> sakes, man. It's such a classic, stupid line. Like, good day. I said good day, sir. Those are funny lines. So, Yeah. uh, So this you said it was. Is this a horror movie to you, Travis?
3: Horror drama. It's not a normal horror movie, but you got Rick Baker special effects here. You have. Oh, really? Yeah, you have a a couple gore moments. Not many, but a, a couple. You have supernatural elements. You have the whole. I mean. If
4: Rosemary's Baby is a horror movie, this is a horror movie. Anytime you got a baby holding someone's uh, ovaries that have been uh, <laughs> eviscerated from their body. Horror.
3: Yeah. It's a horror movie. Horror drama. <laughs> but yeah.
2: What's the two things I want to know right off the bat? The shot of New York City after Marion dies and he goes outside. There's nothing on the street. Is that yeah, real?
3: That's real. They shut down. Well, I think 57th Street and uh, oh. it's 7 a.m. on a Sunday. I looked into it to, to double check. So everyone was all impressed by Vanilla Sky the Times Square uh, mm-hmm. moment that came just a few years later. But I actually think because you get a really long stretch of road there that leads. You know, it looks pretty fucking cool.
2: Blocks and blocks and blocks. It's yeah, amazing. It's a hell. Forever. I was arguing with Leanne. I'm like, that's not real. Is that we couldn't shut down New York City like that? Could they? They did. Wow. Okay. And then. Uh-
3: and oh, there no. was a super crucial moment because if the streets weren't shut down in that scene, then, um, then,
2: um, well. <laughs> you got me you got me on that that's good that's very good travis uh the other the other thing i the other thing is the infinity pool is that real oh, you all know, that you think that was a real building off the edge of a building in new york city is, is anyone buying that
4: so that's also real uh it's not as, it is? Uh, as yeah um i forgot the tidbit but that is real the stage was not like where the actors were they weren't as close to like that by any stretch of the imagination but that is a as a real building
3: Dude, oh. watching that scene. I'm trying to imagine myself walking out there. I would just throw myself to the ground and like cling to the concrete. And scream. <laughs> <laughs> like I would be freaking the fuck out. I could hardly watch that scene.
2: No, you wouldn't be wearing the same shoes Milton was wearing. Those uh, like high heeled. Oh, oh uh, my the God. Fuck those things were oh not God. a good idea. That scene, I'm like, that scene could not
3: end enough uh, fast enough for me. Like, I, that was the scariest scene in the movie.
2: Are we negotiating? Always. <laughs> Always. Oh, Always. So, so this movie starts out wow. with the, the the law aspect. You know, he's a lawyer and he has to win. And the whole point is he's representing a guy who oh, I God. think this was way over the top, guys. This oh. really bothered me in this viewing. The oh fact that he's starting to like rub his crotch. And that that is this is the Here. kind of subtlety I'm talking about. Like, even if he was a scumbag of the highest order, he wouldn't sit there as a defendant rubbing his crotch and his you know, his hand together like that right next to his lawyer in court while this girl was testifying that she'd been molested by him. That's just
4: stupid.
3: Who starts a fucking movie like this? You're going to throw us right into a child
4: molestation case? And like, oh, my God, like this is brutal. A child deposition. I'm imagining people with their pop and popcorn settling in. (laughs) El Pacino fans. Grandma loves the godfather. And the dude's rubbing his dick two minutes in. Oh yeah,
2: but that's God. just, that's, so that's not subtle. Awful. Taylor Hackford directed this movie. You know, Taylor Hackford is oh, an excellent man. director.
4: But he did one
3: of my favorite movies of all time, Dolores Claiborne, but I, I think he's oh. a really good director. But man, this there is zero subtlety on that. And I also want to shout out or something to Chris Bauer, because like Chris Bauer was a relatively newcomer in the acting field. And like back to back, he played this role as Gettys in uh in this movie and then he was he was the machine in eight millimeter like the, the, oh. he was like the, like you know the, the end boss or whatever in eight millimeter i'm like <laughs> dude and, and and then he was like a a russian mafioso or whatever in and flawless so he had like this back-to-back uh sequence of movies where he was just playing the worst people possible it's amazing that his career came out of that i'm like he clearly he was like i'll do it i'll fucking do it i'll play anything <laughs> <laughs> good
2: for you buddy i'm glad it all worked out for him but, yeah, they throw you right into it, and I actually like that. That doesn't bother me at all. I like diving right in and being immersed in a situation, but it's odd that the movie starts so fast, and then it ends up being kind of long. That's an interesting dynamic.
3: It does go long, but when she says, when she breaks, the, the little girl breaks, I'm like, I mean, here we are like five minutes into this movie, and I'm like, I'm getting all emotional already, because like here's a child talking about why she convinced people to lie for her, I mean, and it's so like, oh, man, like, it's just it's a lot uh, to me. It really, it really was a lot to start a movie that way. Uh, yeah,
2: just, well, it's a lot. This but movie's it, this movie's it, fucking raw. This movie's it's hardcore. Also,
3: yeah, and it's also important because this is this is like from. Okay, I know you love that this whole movie is basically a dream sequence, Mike, <laughs> because this is basically what happens when he, you know, he he takes his ring off and has this fantasy slash dream slash test slash moment or whatever the fuck is going on that is this movie. But that's the first thing he does is he goes and he deliberately, knowing that the guy is guilty, he puts this little girl through fucking hell. And so yep. that's when he basically sells his soul. He makes this Faustian bargain. And uh, then we're off to the races. So it is
2: important.
3: It's an important scene, but it's not an easy scene. Not at all.
2: Yeah, that's fair. What This movie is so graphic in a way, though. It's sexually and in, in every way. It doesn't pull any punches. And I want to give the movie credit for that because I think – to make it seem like there's more at stake and this really is happening this ethereal spiritual showdown between beelzebub and god and the fight for the the title fight of the millennium is coming up you know and all that stuff can be really out there and just seem absurd but the way that they they push you in this movie i mean with there's you know the sexual scene that Keanu does with Connie Nielsen and Charlize Theron. I know they edited it that way. That's just that's really hardcore, man. I found it like almost even for me. I'm not a prude guy. I actually thought that scene was like, oh, it was almost uncomfortable for me. Like this is this is fucked up. This guy's going between fucking this girl he likes at work and his wife, and it's just and they're cutting back and forth between both their
4: nude bodies. It's it's fucking wild. It's a huge Warner Brothers release studio film too and there's some yeah. really uh questionably uh horrific shit going on here so it's a surprise for for 97 man this is dude this comes out now it's pg-13 they're gonna they're gonna heavily neutered it and it's gonna be a completely different film so ballsy yeah ballsy, especially
3: in my opinion, given the length of this movie and its frankly meandering nature when it comes to the plot, uh, <laughs> it, it, like you said, like I sat down yeah. after the movie was over, I'm like, what was the path we took here again like do we do we need all of this with the weaver commission and the and the 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 the, the shredding of documents do we need do we need all of that do you know do we need so much go. of of the i mean i love delroy lindo but do we need all of this goat massacre senator
2: alphonse d'amato yeah <laughs> We need Senator
3: Alphonse There There is a lot of of, of meat on, on this that needed to be chopped off. All this stuff with with the, the neighbor's wife who just keeps on popping up in this fucking blue. I'm like, why is she like what is this character's name even and why is she in almost every scene? <laughs>
4: Dude, I did the same thing. I sat back and I'm like This is funny. Oh, I finally get it. High powered defense attorneys might have uh some similarities <laughs> to evil. Uh it, it this this whole like the whole plot is so obvious. It's like the the only real surprise for me is how much I really still enjoy Craig T. Nelson's performance and his character. Hey! Um yeah. mostly Colin. because I, I always kind of forget, even though I've seen this a million times, I always kind of forget, like, well, did, did did he do it or didn't he do it? Part of it's the way he kind of underplays everything, Craig T. Nelson. And, and another part is just um, it's not so obvious uh, like it is with this fucking temptation given to the lawyer. Is he going to do the right thing? And like. Just the whole story for me is a little bit too on the, on the nose. It gets compared to Rosemary's Baby quite a bit, justly, because it's the same story. It's a woman, it's a <laughs> someone unraveling while her husband is being tempted, tempted, tempted by by evil. But with that, oh. we're not really seeing John Cassavetes' kind of journey. It's just kind of all leaking from the ceiling down on us. We don't we don't Mickey Mouse every single little step towards this temptation.
2: Berry, I've never seen Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I've never seen it. So I've wow. heard of it. Uh, it's something about a devil and a baby. But that's true. This, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, you've never been fucked 40 ways from Sunday, Any either of you? <laughs> so you never looked over and thought the Trojan army just fucked you? I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> but, On the head, I'm release a skirt.
2: That's right. Never <laughs> let him see you come in. Uh, This, there's so many things to talk about in this movie, but mm. the way this movie spends a lot of time in the courtroom if you're talking about cutting things travis maybe some of that needs to go because uh, actually what the guy said in one of those reviews earlier about this being you know two different movies with like you got the law and then you've got this spiritual showdown and you've also got a husband and a wife having their trials and tribulations they seem so connected and one of my biggest pet peeves and you guys know this is character motivation does it make sense when characters do things? And in this movie, as the point you just made a few minutes ago, Travis, about meandering and shit and all, now this is happening. How do we get here? A lot of characters do things that don't make sense to what they originally were shown to be, just because it has to go that way, though, for the script. Like, like Kevin and Marianne, they're so in love and they're so connected, and they split up so quickly. Like this divide happens one so party. fast.
3: It takes one I know. party. He won't even. Yeah. He, he won't, and he doesn't apologize. It's all over
2: after that. But I guess that we're supposed to be seeing that he's been, you know, one party. One yeah. party is. I'm on the couch territory already. This was not a guy sleeps on the couch couple. So I, I just think that's a little over the top and ridiculous, in my view. But, I mean, the fact that Craig T. Nelson's in this movie is awesome because I, I like seeing Craig T. Nelson on screen. Eric, I agree mm, with you. I, yeah, I think he yeah. does a killer job in this role. Not, you know, that's pun necessary. Oh. And, and he is. Really like the, I don't know. He's like the ideal example of a big business asshole who would kill his family. I I Dude, totally buy it, and I'm glad to see him in the
3: movie. Well, you noticed where his home is, right? Did you recognize his 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 apartment? It's fucking Golden Trump's, <laughs> it's Trump's <laughs> actual. It's Trump's actual fucking living room that that's shot in. And it's <laughs> funny because Cullen is very obviously supposed to be playing Trump. <laughs> I know. It's great.
2: Wild. But- it's so obvious. That, yeah, it's very obvious now. And it it's funny oh, to see it through this yeah. lens we're in now. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> but, literally playing Trump. But yeah, I mean, but the the whole uh, Felipe Moyes thing, yeah, I guess yeah. that could have been cut out, but it does add to, like, the the mystery and mystique of this world that is slowly enveloping Kev. So, I mean, and I wish Delroy Lindo got more to say. <laughs> it's like he most of it is like he has one scene where he talks about this is all I could do for you. Cut this tongue up with nails and then just sit there and nod in the courtroom. And then even when it's over, Milton greets him and you get nothing from Delroy. i am like, oh, is a little bit underused here. We got Delroy Lindo. Why is he even in this movie? He's not even in the credits. He's not? No. Oh, man. Oh,
3: huh. no, he's uncredited. It's an uncredited performance. I have no idea why. I, maybe he jumped in the last minute to to do. It. I can't I can't begin to imagine why a role like that wouldn't be credited. But I, I mean, so I think that there's a, some strong stuff in this movie. But I also feel like uh, there's a there's just a lot going on, and I don't know how necessary all of it is. Uh, I do know that there is an amazing performance from a brand new face in this movie. Charlize. She is. She is. Yeah, Charlize Theron, I kind of blanked out there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Charlize Theron announces herself. Uh, she screams a lot. It gets a little exhausting. Uh, I'm kind of like done with her by the end. But when she, but that is one of the most brutal suicide scenes in film. Uh, it's, it's in her watching her break down, watching her go from like this vivacious, youthful, glowing person to this husk. She does an incredible job in it, like she always does. But I think it's because of her that we're getting such good work out of Keanu. I think this is actually, I I think this might be one of the best, if not the best performances from Keanu Reeves (laughs) in his career. I think, I think he does some, I mean, he actually emotes a lot more in this movie. He's, there's a lot more difference when he finds her, when he sees her, when he's trying to get in and she's killing herself Yes, and and he's like, she's on the ground and he's breaking apart. He's screaming like a wounded animal, like, like there's no fucking ego there at all. And and that's like the most extreme moment in the movie. But I think there's a lot of scenes in this movie where he's really raw and just is a lot more natural than a lot of the stuff that he's done. That Even though I like him, I think that he's often middling
2: at best. I think this is really good work from him. What about the accent? People like to make fun of the accent.
3: Okay, so that is a little bit of an <laughs> issue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going Thank back
2: you. to Gainesville. <laughs> well, I'm not going back to Gainesville. I said that. Eric, he, uh, accent is it bad or I don't even know if it's that bad. I mean, he could just be some guy from northern Florida. It's off and
4: on. He's such an anomaly because even like I watching I watched him in Parenthood, and I'm like, God, he's bad. But like he's so charming <laughs> and he's so cute. And like like uh in this, he's awful. But like he's he's charming and he's very watchable. This is one of his worst perform. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He's awful in this movie. His accent's oh. ridiculous. He's got maybe one good scene for me when his mom is trying to talk to him about his father. And he's like, you want to do this now? That's solid. But the rest for me is like, oh, shucks. Like, the I, I saw The Firm last night. So I'm just going to do what Tom Cruise did when they showed him all the cool new apartments he's going to be living in. Come on with this. Wow. Uh, I agree with Travis. I do. I think it's an
2: incredible. I think he did a really, really good affable. job, especially the scene you mentioned. Like, the anger and anguish on his face when she's dead in his arms. It's hardcore.
3: I think Honestly, I think we're both right. I think that there are some really strong moments from Keanu in this, and I think that you're right. There are some aw shucks, kind of like he's not really trying that hard here. I think his strongest but, stuff is when he's playing off of Charlize, which is why I said that. Uh, makes a lot I, of sense. And, I, and, I, and I do think that the worst moment of the movie is when he's yelling, uh,
1: I'm a lawyer! I'm a lawyer! I'm a That's lawyer!
3: I win! That's my job! That's what I do! It's like, oh, no one's buying this. So, so yeah, I think I think he offers a bit of a mixed bag. But I also, as much as I've always liked him, I, I mean, Dest, uh, Destination Wedding, I think he's great in that. I think he's good in the first Matrix. But there's a lot of stuff that he's done that I think is not good at all. Bram so Stoker's I, Dracula. Bram Stoker's
4: Dracula. Yeah, there's a Long lot of standard. Not
3: stuff. I mean, as much as we, as much as I mean, like you said, he's charming and easy and fun to watch. Which, yeah, yeah. lucky for him because uh, that's mostly what's carrying him through much of his much of his career. But I think there is some really strong moments in this.
4: Yeah. First, um. But going back to charlie's there we got a 20 year old newcomer like her first role yeah and she comes out here and like does mia farrow justice who did the same exact thing in rosemary's baby Mm -hmm. and in scene after scene of uh, unraveling uh that that definitely gets under your bones uh i do like the way that character was written um yeah and performed it's fantastic
3: Yeah, and when she's being carted away to the uh, insane asylum and and she's talking about how they drank down the blood money and all that stuff, it's Mm -hmm. just like she's a very convincing and tragic character.
2: Well, this is a double debut for these women Connie Nielsen, too. It's both of their film debuts in America. So that's wild. Uh, Why do you laugh? I'm laughing
3: because Connie (laughs) Nielsen, like, this is what I do every time I see Connie Nielsen in a movie. Like, I'm like watching the movie and blah, blah, blah. And at some point, I look at the cast and I go, oh, that's Connie Nielsen. I just, like, every single time I've ever seen her in anything, I never recognize her face. I never, like, complace her. She's just, like, really? this weirdly gray kind of, like, uh, forgettable. I don't know what it is. And, wow. not, and not in this. She's very, like, uh, vivid in this. But, like, okay, so this, the Wonder Woman movies, what what else has she done?
2: Gladiator. Gladiator was her big uh, moment. Gladiator. Okay. Yeah. Anything that... else? Yeah. yeah. She was in uh, Nobody. She played uh, his husband in Nobody. <laughs>
3: Oh, she she was in open. See, I watched that and loved it. I do not remember her
2: at all in that. I she's don't. Sure I don't remember
3: woman. her playing someone's husband. That sounds like a real twist of a role for her. But
2: uh. she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, acting wise, eh? Uh, to me, there's no comparison. Even though it's a debut for Theron and Nielsen, yeah, Theron blows her out of the water. It's also a yeah. more, it's an emotive role. I mean, when she gets up, yeah. she's naked in that church. and She's got the cuts all over. I mean, Charlie Theron went all out for this and. Clearly. I fucking love her for it, man. She got more love for the Sighthouse Rules 2 years later, but this is an <laughs> epic performance by her. I want to be in total agreement <laughs> on that. But there's so much other shit to talk about this. So, what about the um the monsters that a page, occasionally show up? These fa- these okay. monster faces that pop up I've, every once in I've a while. I've been waiting
4: for this because when I saw it that first time, those were what scared me the most. For some weird reason. And I'm thinking last night, I'm like, why was I so scared of those like cartoon <laughs> monster faces? And I finally figured it out after long night of rumination. It's the <laughs> first time I had ever seen CG used for horror, uh, uh. especially in a way like that. You I was used to this is 97, so I'm used to like CG tornadoes and dinosaurs, but I've never mm-hmm. been like scared of cg and to do that that wouldn't have been possible with anything that didn't look really phony uh back then and it struck me i was fucking creeped the shit out um and it it kind of does get inside you because it's like i'm not anything that's like i'm not what i appear to be i'm not your friend i'm pure evil that's always gonna scare me always
3: yeah, I, that's a, these are really good points you're making uh, about the contemporary nature of it being extra scary at the time because you wouldn't see something like that ordinarily in like real time, like a face changing like that mm-hmm. convincingly. And they're actually pretty sparing with the CG in this thing. That is until you get to that god-awful statue that they interested we go. in putting Uh-oh. in the movie that they then had to fucking go back because they got sued and had to just yep. change it to some other dumb <laughs> shit yeah. and then bring back human <laughs> beings in the movie anyways that are movie. I mean, it's
2: laughably stupid. Don't forget all the time <laughs> lapses either. How many time lapses in this movie? Oh God. <sighs> and look what we can do with the camera. Every night to day or day to night is a time lapse. it seems like a bit much. Minor detail. Not yeah, as big deal. Right. It,
3: well, it's New York. Can you tell if it's New York? Or if it's not a of no. these uh, scenes.
4: I that's mean, all dude. You know, that's also a late 90s horror trope that sadly man. has gone away. Every time something scary happens and they're cutting to a scene, you get like the the sh- scream and then like the dumb like white transition scream before like <laughs> <laughs> dumb not scary. <laughs> yeah, the monster demon faces show up like four or five
2: times. You see it with the uh, the wife and the hands like groping her body underneath the skin. I I agree, Eric. I was more like freaked out by that and amazed when I first saw this movie. Sure. Now it doesn't look bad. It looks fine. It's not like it's like blatantly CGI, uh, but you know the the whole point goes to the bigger picture of this film with. Like, what the fuck is going on? Does it doesn't matter. I mean, we know what it is, but does this bother either one of you? Like, it's an epic religious showdown for all the marbles for all time and eternity. It's also these demons, and he's the devil, and it keeps being alluded to again and again. Oh my
3: uh, God. Yeah. my like, and Yeah. And, and, and is, I mean, like, it's supposed to be some sort of surprise in the plot that he turns out to be the devil? I mean, the movie's called his The Devil's Advocate, or his father. The movie's called The Devil's Advocate, and all of the advertising... Was was like literally the advertising was like Satan, call me Dad. So like it was like <laughs> the biggest fucking giveaway. Like everybody knew everything that was going to happen in this movie, and it takes. I mean, there's a lot of fucking hamming it up. I mean, the 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 fucking cheeky look on Al Pacino's face when he's about to put his pointer finger into the <laughs> into the holy water. He's like looking up at the, I guess God. <laughs>
2: Me, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to touch it. Oh, my God. Is this so epic? Is funny. it building up for you? Yeah. I'm about to take out Weaver with my finger. Yeah. That was over the top. You're right. That was so lame this time, and it was more laughable. And, yes, he hams it up so much. It's It has to be mentioned that Pacino has several monologues of this film, but he yeah. also... Yeah, it's like I can't believe he turned out the part the first time he was ever offered it. it Looks like God's to him, a special
3: creature, Eddie. Uh, oh, <laughs>
2: yeah, that Barzoon monologue cutting back and forth while he's just blabbing away about I don't know the fucking digital age and a fucking greasy greedy hands, and then we're going back and forth with Barzoon <laughs> dude, and these possible demons who end up being homeless
4: dudes, which is also cheesy. Thank you, Mike. So the, the, bad. The, 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 by far, the most ridiculous part of the, the movie is. By- <laughs> Barzoon's getting attacked. It's shot like a fucking comedy. You've got Eddie Barzoon like, Whoa! and this is a known comic actor. So we're supposed to be. I'm not giving you my watch. Him?
0: Fuck you. Yeah, it's a... Well-
3: and, and, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, it cuts to Keanu sitting on the couch. Like, he's been listening to this whole monologue and he's nodding, like, oh, this is a conversation that people have. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, he's been going on for five minutes straight, just ranting about something. Yep. You know I, something, something to do with Eddie Barzoon.
4: Makes no sense whatsoever. Let me get this straight Eddie Barzoon's involved with this. <laughs> uh, you got the. Uh...
2: That monologue is lame. The Barzul oh, monologue God. is so lame to me. But I will the ending showdown scene, which is something I look forward to because I just remembered it so well when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. Uh, it's still that whole sequence where he talks about things you know, touch but don't taste, all that there's, stuff. All, there's a lot well. of great stuff about yeah, free will and some fascinating philosophical shit that I love. I so I actually it's not so much the acting because Pacino's going full ham, which is fine because at <laughs> this point he's the devil. We all know it. Kevin knows it. It's time to fuck the sisters so this spawn, the Antichrist, can (laughs) be created. But it's actually the words in between all the bullshit with the statues and the moving people on the wall. It's the words that I still... Really dug. I loved what he had to say. He makes he's the devil, but he makes a lot of really great points. He's right. He, the, the, he and he
3: also is right about everything he says to Kevin about the choices that Kevin has made. That he abandoned. Yes. His wife, Thank that, you for that, saying
4: that. Yes. That, I mean,
3: there's like there's so much that that like. One of the things I really liked about the movie, actually watching this time that I'm not sure I ever appreciated before, is how much is like supposedly set in motion by the devil but it seems like these are well it's like free will is the central plot here or the central theme yeah. and so yes. in a lot of ways people keep on doing it to themselves like when weaver gets hit by the car he just bounds into the middle of the street and it probably has nothing <laughs> to do with the fact that like on the other side of town the devil's putting his finger into some water because he just <laughs> strolls right out into the middle of the fucking street right before that kevin almost got hit by a taxi i'm like watching the scene i'm like how did kevin uh, how did keanu not get his toes run over by that taxi they're both like they're it's reckless so and that that kind of stuff is happening throughout so i really dug that about the uh, the speech the monologue because he's so right about a lot of what he's
2: saying i'm glad you said that it's about self-awareness the devil's not making it all happen he's not he said he's not a puppeteer he doesn't pull all the strings he sets a stage in free will supposedly which we could debate about which i won't but people are making decisions and kevin abandoned Everything because of his awful point that he makes about, I'm a lawyer, that's what I win, that's what I do. You know, we got that whole oh, bit from him. That's right. Definitely my favorite that's scene. My favorite scene. And, <laughs> and But what he said, it's about Ew. culpability. It's about looking at yourself <laughs> in the mirror, and, and it's even though it gets, like, goofy and hammed up, and it seems all epic, it's actually got really juicy quality tidbits within that monologue where he talks about... People and how he nurtured man. I, you know, I was there for man. God is a sadist, an absentee landlord. I'm it's the goof man. of all. Yeah, it's the goof <laughs> of all time.
4: I swear. So, I, I really dug that more than ever. Watching you know, the movie now. That's what got me thinking on the drive home in 1997. I'm like, well, Christ. God offers all this stuff up But says, "Well, oh, don't have it because you're not allowed to." What a prick! Like, <laughs> I was scratching my head that night. Um. Yeah, and also I love that. Like, it takes me right back to twelfth grade speech. Me and Petrucci would just quote this scene over and over and over again. <laughs> yep. Um, I had coffee with the half, an hour, with <laughs> <coffee>. half <laughs> an hour ago. Half oh, an hour ago. Wrong movie. Um, <laughs> um, I love like the like the cheekiness and like the in joke quality that like him and Kynan Nielsen kind of have with each other. Like during that whole scene, she's like, "God, will you shut up already?" And he's yep. like. Like, the look he gives her when Kevin mentions the Antichrist, like, oh, God, he's going to get all, like, stoic <laughs> on my ass. Like, clearly, this is what we're setting up. Are you in or out? It, it's very cool. And you know what
3: yeah. I noticed this time that I never noticed before is as as the devil is trying to convince Keanu to sleep with his wife or with his sure. uh, sister, which well, eventually Keanu does go over and hardcore make out with her, even though he knows that she's a yeah, sister. Yeah, she's now. fully
2: nude. He's ready to go.
3: Right. I, I really, I'm like, I'm watching the movie and all of a sudden there's like this sequence where, where Connie Nielsen's like taking out this big knife and like kind of making sure it's really sharp. I'm like, oh, there's other things planned for this yeah. ceremony beyond just the sex. Wondering and uh, and it's, it's nice and actually for a movie that's amazingly unsubtle in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's, it whatever happened, I don't think that canon was coming out of that room alive.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't think about it like that. I didn't know if there like the baby would be born right away. I don't know if there's like a speed birth when you
4: create oh, yeah. the Antichrist in a classic, uterus or classic Antichrist speed birth. We all have seen <laughs> that happen before. Dude, talk about something <laughs> happening right away. Did anyone notice that Colin was acquitted, like, minutes after, like, this testimony from the secretary? Yeah, that would just never all walk happen.
1: out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the yeah, OJ case in
3: terms of, of size, but, you know, it, it, on, on the other hand, it didn't turn into one of those uh,
2: one of those Class A New
0: York-style pig fucks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it cuts to all these reporters running to the— phones the pay phones which is yeah. classic oh, yeah. and then yeah he's just walking out shaking hands and smiling and Glad meanwhile handy. kev kev knows what he's done and suddenly and i think it's kind of shitty script writing away because they decide to just like it pace is very slowly if you think about the first hour and 40 minutes it really mm-hmm. is slow yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't lot, move quickly. lot it's watching
3: such... her paint yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> caribbean paint.
2: green uh too that's <laughs> yeah, that's too, uh, what would she say? It was too, Shit. Too, yeah.
3: too, too... Too institutional or something like that. Too institutional, yeah, you thank go. you.
2: But the moment where Cullen and this Melissa Black showdown where Kev realizes that she's lying when he's trying to, you know, do the question and answer with her to prepare she, her to go to trial. If
3: he's cut or not.
2: yeah. yeah. What like, the fact that he oh, can yeah. make these assumptions? I'll put that aside. But the script really picks up speed suddenly. It's like, okay, oh shit! Now Cullen's not guilty, and now Marianne's gonna kill herself in the next five minutes, and Mom's gonna be there, and she's gonna—you get Colin's dead, Marianne kills herself, dad reveal—all in like six <laughs> minutes for a movie that was really <laughs> paced quite differently yep, prior yep. to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Marianne's
3: falling apart, and he and he says to 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 Milton, like, I'm I gotta speed through this. I gotta get through this uh trial this case and then i can deal with marianne so like he gets calling off and then he's all but sprinting out of the courthouse so he can like get back like what has she been doing this whole time because it's got to have been like fucking weeks and suddenly he's like sprinting to be close to her and uh the the time is short my friend no matter how yeah that
4: change that's another radical change that bothers me yep yeah. this major trial would take months to even get the first paperwork like into the office <laughs> yeah, honestly it'd be like two years later before yeah, it, it's, in. it goes
2: to your point earlier about the meandering Travis it's like Taylor Hackford and the editors all of a sudden are like oh shit oh, look, we look at all that. these plot lines we left untethered yeah. we gotta oh, tie shit. all these loose ends up
4: it's what like, color did they what? center on in that living room fuck <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, shit, we got to type all these loose ends right now, and the movie's going on two hours. So suddenly let's wrap it all up, and then let's get to the big main event up there. Yeah. And Kev, Kev kills himself. I always bothered me how shitty it looked, even in 1998 or 97. It looked shitty behind him when he takes his life, and he's slowly falling down with the blood pouring out of his head. Yeah. It looked bad then. It looks bad now. Minor detail. But then it goes back to the beginning, and now he makes the right call. But... No, because the devil still knows how to get in there. And I Vanity. love that ending. I, I'm a big fan of that ending. I want to give them credit for that. Mm. The fact that I yeah. love it because he is there again in a different tact, even though Kev did the right thing and said, I'm not representing this guy and I might get disbarred. But then right. he gets suckered in again real quickly by the ego because they want to do a story in 60 minutes on Kevin. I dig that ending. I'm a fan of that. Vanity is my favorite sin. All right.
3: So, so two <laughs> points real quick. Uh one, I, I agree that I like the way it turns out that yeah, he's he's found another hook in. He's gonna try and like, you know, the celebrities angle instead. I, I don't like Al Pacino like like the like the guy turning into Al Pacino and then turning no? to the camera
4: and being like, Ain't I a stinker? I wasn't crazy <laughs> about that. You didn't like the Roseanne season six opening credits morphing technology yeah. They used. Yeah,
3: I didn't care for for any of that. And I also thought to myself, like, I thought you'd have a bigger problem with this movie since you hate dream sequences so much. Because what are the fucking rules here? Like so, constantly, every moment of your life, you're actually living uh, some sort of tangential, alternate universe fantasy test thing. And, and then, if you and if you actually, for if you do succeed, then in the next breath or so, you got to go through it again. And so, if he wins, if the devil wins, and doesn't that mean it's happening in this tangential thing that isn't really happening? It doesn't like I'm, I'm like I, I, it doesn't
2: compute. <laughs> It doesn't bother me oddly enough. And yeah, I don't see I, I don't see it as a dream sequence, even though it is. It it all ends up just being like a fantasy. But is it? I don't know because I see it from a supernatural aspect where these ethereal leaders of the spiritual world are in control and can make these things happen. That's the only reason they like they push, they suckered me into it enough. They, they got it within my bones and my mind enough. And maybe it's because I've I knew this movie when I was younger and I just bought into it then, but I never thought about it being an an annoying aspect, the dream aspect of his for you or when life changes and suddenly he goes back to the bathroom to start over. Everything that happens could happen for some reason because they set the rules this way. Even though you said the rules make no fucking sense. I agree with that. So really I'm contradicting myself. It just—it doesn't bother me, but it, like the movie itself, it's confusing as hell and it doesn't really make sense the more you start to analyze it.
4: They only did it to have Al Pacino say that fun line at the end and cut to sympathy for the devil. That's the only reason why. <laughs> oh, no yeah, way. that is so lame. It's yeah, good, come on. Fun. Mike, before
3: we get into uh, wrapping this up, I-, I need you to do the can't win them all bit for us. <laughs>
2: it's a good run, Kev. Can't win them all. I had to close <laughs> out sometime. Had to close out sometime. <laughs> good run, Kev. <laughs> He had to close out, uh, out of There's all the a nice co- run, by the way. Nice yeah. run. I learned nice that. Run. I got good wrong. Yeah, nice I messed
3: right. that so, uh So, yes, but talk about uh, an off quoted line. I mean, uh I don't know how many <laughs> times in my life I've been speaking to you and I've been told
4: that uh, nice run, Kev, or good run, Kev, I had to close out sometime. It
2: <laughs> well, really did insane. click.
4: Yes. I've been saying <laughs> had to close out sometime for 25 years. He says close out someday.
3: Yeah, I know. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, I did the all same part. thing. I wrote down the whole quote. And I'm like, oh, I've been saying it wrong
4: forever. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to to open this can of worms in this late in the show, but I do want to go back to the main event speech one time because I I really liked how he was talking about using uh, lawyers and the law uh, as a means to the new priesthood, uh, emit evil here in this modern world. I think there's a lot there they could have gotten into more.
2: Made sense. No, I, I totally bought it and I have no issue with it. We should
4: mention that this is based on a
3: book, Andrew Niederman. Uh, he oh. wrote he wrote a sequel or a prequel or something and tried to oh. get this made into a TV show uh, in like 2012 or 2014, which I could kind of see that uh, in some ways. Maybe this would be well suited to unpack some of that stuff with the, the law uh, and maybe the meandering aspect of it would have worked. I don't know. Um, I maybe would have watched it.
4: It sounds like something like Freddy's Nightmares or like the Friday the Thirteenth series, where it's you have a, a kind of a, a a ploy, but it's with it's it, it's with how other different characters interact with that. Like, I, I'm interested in like the hotel manager being tempted by the devil, or like the the deli manager, like the lawyer what? aspect. Of this is my least favorite part. Of my yeah, clearly these fucking lawyers are scumbags, but like tempt a a, a deli manager, I, I'm interested. With,
3: is the oh. deli manager his, his son? Because that's the whole thing, right? He's trying to get all of his Ooh. kids to fuck. Which, that's
0: a <laughs> watch plot twist.
2: <laughs> yeah, that well, would be. I got to give credit to Pam, too. She is just awful, and that actress really? does a great job of playing awful Pam. She's so sweet-looking in a yeah. sense, but she is chillingly cold as fuck. <laughs> I
3: also love that party when, like, everyone's an immoral fuckbag and, like, everyone has, like, this moment where they're able to, like, you, you, get, the, you get the sense that they're just... Completely depraved and 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 soulless. Uh, yeah. I also think to myself, I'm trying to imagine Pam like packing up to go to the insane asylum to visit. Uh, Marianne, I'm like I'm like, why is she there? She wouldn't be there for this.
2: <laughs> I know, right? Like, there always has to be a a caretaker from the firm in everyone's personal life. You're right. That'd be stupid. Like, is she handling all the other wives and husbands and the kids? Is she driving kids to school and shit in the morning? Doesn't she have things to do? Isn't she like a CFO or something? <laughs> I also that's so you start saying that then I start to think about okay so who's really connected in this law firm like who is part of the devil's brood and who isn't who's working there unassuming not knowing that they work for the devil or is everyone connected mm -hmm. or is it just certain people like Pam and Eddie Barzoom doesn't seem to know he works for the devil but he's been bailed out (laughs) you know he had a coke habit he got divorced all that shit so
3: yeah you're right he doesn't seem to know he doesn't yeah. really seem to know who he's fucking with or else he wouldn't be like, well, I'm going to talk to the Warren Report or whatever. The, right. The, yeah. the Weaver the Weaver Commission, who is also yeah. a, a single person, but that, that person's not a congressman. Yeah. <laughs> what the he, fuck are you it, even talking about? A commission it, named after a person it, would be after a congressman it, or a senator. Like, what are you
2: it's, doing? It's, 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 guy, the, the, civil service, the civil service fucking guy has his own commission? Yeah, <laughs> could you imagine, you imagine Earl Warren of the Warren Commission, the Warren Report? He's the guy on the streets. He does every interview. He goes and finds every detail possible. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That is fucking hilarious. That's a great call. Uh, Oh, my God. I feel like I talked to this movie forever, but we are almost an hour and a half in. Any other final thoughts we haven't covered, guys, in this film? Oh, man. I think I hit all my main points. Uh,
4: Music-wise, yeah. anybody
2: love the score?
4: <laughs> Doesn't really remember. I don't remember yeah, anything related no, to music in this movie. Memorable. It's like TV series score, nothing there. How about
3: uh, <laughs> the the set design? I mean, there's so many like giant, like industrial look, like especially the office building. Like it's so fucking nineties. Did you see the yeah. lights
2: over that main? conference room, dashboard. Those lights, it was huge. It was so grandiose. I was like, I hit Leanne up next to me. I'm like, look at those lights. Are those real? Where do you find that? This place is bizarre. And this is a 25 year old movie.
3: So yeah, it's weird. But yeah, it is weird. I think I've made all my points.
2: Eric, you covered
4: everything? I'm ready ready to wrap this up. (sighs) Okay then. Well, if you're ready, why don't you start us off, Eric? Dude, I've seen it a million times and I was very curious, even worried about bringing it to the show. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff here, man. Uh, but it also tries to get very serious and very theological and in your head. And in some ways it does. Um, but for me, I turned it off last night and I was like, oh, I, was, I, was, I was kind of glad it was over. I was exhausted. I, and I think I even said out loud, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> I can't lie. I can't lie. I think I said out loud, that was fucking stupid. So I do have to say in that respect that it didn't hold up for me. I can't tell if it's just because I was like, yeah, I've seen that before. Why bother going back to it? Or if it was just because (laughs) the silly performance by Keanu Reeves, of my opinion, was not there for me. Or that it was just a complete rehash of a lot of other better movies from the 70s when it comes to um, um, Satanism are concerned. But yeah, man, I I, I was let down by it this time, dude. Does it hold up? No, if it, it doesn't, doesn't hold up, in my opinion. I had fun back in the day, and the main event is I had some laughs, but at the end of the day, I'm like, come on, this is dumb. Wow. Uh, wait, look. I loved this movie
2: when I was younger, and so many quotable moments, like I said. You know, they're so different. So different is this film... From others like it, though. You said it reminds you of films from the 70s. I think it is unique in its own way. So, with that respect, you know, we didn't even hardly talk about Kev's mom because there's really nothing to say. She's your typical cliche, you know, Bible thumping churchgoer, you know? She is who had this. Rome, 16, yeah. <laughs> 19. 10. Yeah, the guy on the drum set, he's riding the ride cymbal. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a decent band for this shithole Jacksonville church. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> And oddly enough, though, the way she describes how she met Milton and fucked him really made a lot of sense to me. So there's moments where the movie looks like it's letting you down or it feels that way, but it starts to redeem itself. She was 16. She loved Christ. They were there for a Christ retreat. And this guy knows the Bible inside and out. He does. He's the devil. It made all the sense of the world. So it's little things like that where it redeems itself for me. But beyond that, i find the movie just to be wildly entertaining i it's longer yes I, I forgot that it was over two hours i did but it didn't really drag for me courtroom procedurals can be lame at times but i i didn't actually i like the fact that when he's defending cullen he goes with this tact about what a piece of shit he is but it puts him in a different place that's cool too so there's little things like that add up and then when you put it all aside for me in the end It is just so entertaining to watch Pacino every moment he is on screen in this movie. I don't care if he's hamming it up or he's being as acting as actor could be. He also repeats a line from Son of a Woman. I'm just getting warmed up. I'm just getting warmed up. He says it really smoothly this time. Right. Yeah. He takes it at a different (laughs) approach. I'm just getting warmed up. So when someone's that good in the script, the dialogue is elite. Even if the to me, the dialogue is outstanding in this movie. It's entertaining and interesting to me. The character motivations are suspect. I mentioned that. There are issues. But in the end, that final scene is rife with hours of conversation. You could spend a whole evening, grab a six-pack, grab a bottle of wine, and talk about everything that Milton talks about in his final epic monologue. It's really, really interesting to me. And maybe that's how I walk away at the end, even if some of it dragged or didn't make sense. Once the movie ends, I was like, wow, that was fascinating. And I think it holds up. I still think the Devil's Advocate holds up to this day. Wow,
3: it's on me then. Yeah, you know, behind you is how it starts off with uh, <laughs> when with with Al meeting or with the you know the Devil meeting him, and you know that's that's straight out of the Bible. Get get the behind me, Satan. You know, the movie starts off where he is he's behind him, and then we watch him make you know himself ingratiate himself closer and closer to the Devil. There's a lot of these kinds of um, kind of religious. Easter eggs throughout the film, which make it kind of fun uh, as a watch if you're if you're familiar with that whole you know world. Yeah, um, I don't know that I feel like it didn't drag. There was a point in the movie where I kept pausing it and to, to take care of something else, and I like I pause it, but like ah, uh, I'm about I got about an hour left. And I watch it for a while and I pause it. I'm like, well, I got about an hour left. And I watch it for a while and I pause it. I'm like, well, I got about an hour left. But like, what the fuck is happening here? How am I keep on having like an hour left of this movie? Is time not moving forward? But I had just, but it's just such a lull around that point that I was just kind of getting bored and I kept on pausing it for a while. Um, I do think that uh, I, I, you know, I got four pages of notes here. And one of those pages alone is just that last conversation. I I agree that there's so much there uh, worth unpacking. I acknowledge the deeply flawed nature of Keanu's performance and, in fact, his career. But that said, I, I do think that this is really strong work from him. I think it's really strong work from Charlize Theron. And if you like Al Pacino at all, I mean, I think the reason why he kind of dug his heels into not doing this is because it would have because like i said i think it's too easy for him it's so i mean it's right on the nose for him to to be having these lines and be the one saying them to say them the way that he's saying them it's almost predictable but it's so perfect it's just so perfect in that respect the the movie is very fucking far from perfect it is a deeply flawed (laughs) movie that has people you know us from in this moment and when we were much younger laughing at parts that are not supposed to be funny uh so that's kind of a problem and it, it is too long it is too long i am going to say that i'm glad eric that you said it didn't hold up because i don't think it would make sense for this to be a clean sweep but that said i'm going to say that it holds up oh wow.
2: just enough just enough just by a hair folks that was tight okay eric you chose the movie you got your end result for better for worse Hope this was an entertaining episode for all of you, whether Hopefully. you watch this live on YouTube, which you could subscribe to the YouTube channel and give us a like if you're on the video. Just click the thumbs up button or five-star review. If you do not know how Apple Podcast works or how <laughs> Spotify works, I feel like you people do. I don't they need don't. to rehash this to you. If you've never reviewed the show, you can do it one time on Apple Podcast. That'd be great. I know people would uh, appreciate that, like myself. So <laughs> People like me people like me uh all right so next week what's going on creature (laughs) god special little creature god's pocket uh is it my turn next week or what's happening it's your turn next week oh okay and then after that we're gonna have on derek from the pop goes your world podcast he's been on once before he did galaxy quest eric missed that one so hopefully eric and derek will get to connect on this one he's a really cool dude loves movies loves pop culture Check out Pop Goes Your World. Him and my friend Chris McBrien, they do a lot with all kinds of different stuff. It's a Gen X versus millennial podcast for pop culture. So if you're into that stuff, it covers 50-plus years of it. So my choice for next week is going to be a 20-year anniversary of a film. So we're going back to 2002. It's been 20 years, and I had to check if we did this. I felt like maybe we did, but I don't believe we did. So
3: you guys (laughs) will tell me that. we're getting to that point, right?
2: <laughs> I, we yeah, actually right. are. Yeah, we got 132 episodes going strong here. So I have to start back and double check to make sure we haven't done this movie. But I don't believe we've done 2002's post 9 11 film, The 25th Hour. Yeah, I'm, mean, yes, yes. We have not. Yes. All right. Here we, we go then. Yeah, We're going to yeah. do The 25th Hour, Spike Lee Joints, oh, uh, written by,
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, written by David Benioff, who wrote the book, David which Benioff. I didn't know. At all. Now with post Game of Thrones and all that shit, this could be really interesting to
4: see it and talk about that stuff. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. It's been yeah. on my short list since day one. I cannot wait. Oh, wow. okay. okay. Well okay. that's great. Gr- Hell
2: yeah. Good. All right. So next week it's the 25th hour, and then the week after that, we'll have Derek on for Pop Goes Your World, and we'll get his pick next week and share it with you. But I think that'll do it for this show. Travis Roy, Eric Branch, and Michael Gobia. We had a great time. We hope you enjoyed the devil's advocate analysis. We'll catch you next time. It was a good run. It had to close out sometime, though.
4: The final fig leaf. (laughs) Wasn't the wine, Kevin. Wasn't the wine. (laughs)